Naomi started 10 years ago when I met Tammy in the market in Sapa in the north of Vietnam. Um, it's a hilltop village, um, small town that used to be a kind of colonial hill station and now is like a tourist hub. Um, when I first went there, that wasn't so much the case. What was it that you learned on your anthropology course that made you think, this I want to important. make this link between anthropology and art? Um, I'd actually done an art foundation course at, in Bristol before I went to do anthropology um, and knew that I loved making and loved and being creative and thought that that was brilliant. Um, but I didn't have anything to talk about and I didn't have anything to say through that making process. I run it with Tame, who's Mien. She lives in the mountains in the north of Vietnam. Um, she's an amazing woman. I met her when I was 23 and she inspired me from the moment I met her. Um, she makes all of her own clothes each year with which are stitch by stitch embroidered all over from the from the cuffs to the tailpiece to a panel on the back it's the most tiny intricate work and it's almost difficult to understand what it is when you first look at it because it is so detailed um, and she said to me when I was 23, did I want to learn how to make their embroidery? And I was like, yeah, definitely I want to learn how to make the embroidery. She said, come back here tomorrow morning at nine o'clock. Um, so I went, um, I went back the next morning at nine o'clock and she showed me this piece of embroidery that, or she showed me the, the, a piece of embroidery and then she showed me a piece of cloth that we were going to start to make the embroidery on. And it had the most tiny warp and weft, which I didn't even at the time know what a warp and a weft was. But the warp, oh, hang on, I still don't really know because... <laughs> the warp is... The warp goes one way. Um, is the straight one. That goes down. The vertical straight one and then the yes. weft is in and out um, horizontally. Yes. And that's how you weave... That's it. ...together, I think. Is that right? I think that's yeah. right. It is right. Um, because I've learned all of my textile skills in the north of Vietnam... I don't really have any vocabulary to talk about any of the, <laughs> any of the textiles at all. We just talk about it in very descriptive language. We, uh, we've sort of found our own common language as to how we talk about well, talk about cloth. Term, yeah, does you not have terminology for it then? It's just like this uh, they do in they do in in um, Mien, which yeah. is their language, or and also Vietnamese. But um, Tamay's English, when I met her, was. It was amazing, but it was definitely like basic English. Um, and so she didn't, she definitely didn't have textile terminology to be able to talk about, talk about it. Um, and so we kind of, we, we would create our own language and our own words to describe what we were talking about. So I would say, is it this? She'd say yes. And then we, that would sort of become the word or she would suggest a word, an Englishy way of saying yeah. something. <laughs> um, yeah, so, so I sat down and she started showing me this process, which was the very first step was getting a huge long piece of silk and wrapping it around your toes and then pulling up your trousers and rolling the silk on your leg um, to make a thread. So this process took maybe an hour learning how to do the silk, 
silk rolling as the first step. And then we started to do the pattern. And the pattern has been taught from woman to woman over loads of generations. I can't tell you. There isn't really the knowledge to be able to say exactly how long, but I think probably at least 500 years from what I can gather. It's an excruciatingly precise method of working. And it's all about being doing it perfectly and doing it really well and you've got to um, if you make a mistake you've got to go back and undo it and then put it right and go again otherwise the pattern doesn't match up after the first day um, I thought my god I don't know I don't really know what this is and I don't know why I'm doing this Um, but it feels like it's important to give it a go and I ended up spending three months in the end with Tammy it was, yeah, and it was working nine to five every day. And Tammy was so strict with me about, I had to be there. And if I wasn't there, then she would call me and say, where are you? And I would say, I'm downstairs in the market having my chicken noodle soup for breakfast. I'll, I'll be up in a minute. And, um, and, and yeah, it went on like that. She was so, it was, it was like a, a really strict internship into their culture, I guess. And she taught me for free every day. For three months it was an extraordinary something and just I because you showed an interest in it she was like this yeah I think maybe because I didn't leave because most tourists <laughs> came in for two days she was maybe expecting me to be only be there for two days and then as soon as it had gone past day four she's like oh well, this is interesting <laughs> and I said well I don't really have anywhere to go my my point of being away after having done anthropology is to get involved in in people and places and things and to understand what it feels like really to make something really beautiful. It was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done to sit there for three months. It was so intense and so detailed and so um, sort of laborious, but it was also incredibly calming and incredibly therapeutic. And it felt like such a privilege to be able to sit next to the Mien women in the market and see them and be part of their way of life or see it and and um, just to I felt so humbled by the fact that they do this every year they, they do they'll make a piece that's way bigger than what I made there and this in the end took me a thousand hours I worked out roughly like um, after I'd spent the three months with Tame I went on to finish it for the rest of the year so it was a whole year of making embroidery. I'd been really interested in meditation and this felt like the ultimate meditation to kind of devote myself to a, a small piece of beautiful cloth. And then I would, um, yeah, at the end someone spilled a cup of tea on it. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and you can, luckily it was only peppermints, so it wasn't the end of the world. But um, there was something quite amazing about having put all this time and effort into something and then oh it's got tea on it I went on to um, buy some pieces from Tame to start to sell them in the UK to say thank you I wanted to it's like I can't I can't be taught all of this knowledge for free and not give anything back mm. um, and I, I, I always often wonder whether that was what Tame sort of knew that at the beginning I don't, I don't think she could have done really, but perhaps she's just got this wisdom that if you give, then you, something comes back to you. And yeah, I was selling vintage pieces 
and that's really where what we're doing now has come from um, because I realised that the vintage pieces in the market were running out and there's less and less of them each each time I go back, the, the quality of what's available in the market is less. People aren't making to the same high standard as they used to. And this really bothers Tame. She looks at the pieces and she's like, oh, this is like the past. This is wonderful. This is beautiful. But it's not here. Any, it's not going to be here anymore in the same way. Um, so over a period of time, we, I would keep going backwards and forwards. I actually went, I took my piece of embroidery back to the village and after two years and took it to them and showed them that I'd finished it and they all went wow you finished it Mm. (laughs) but they they sort of went wow but in a very subtle way and then they were it was like good okay good Mm. Um, and I felt like I'd kind of gained my gained some respect It's really, it's a very weird place. There's a lot of things going on. I mean, the, the, the tourism that comes in is really being brought into the area almost like they're going, going to see, it's a bit like visiting a waterfall. It's, it's going to see a tourist attraction. So they're, they're really exploited, I think. It's like, come and see these colourful, the, 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 the people who wear this crazy clothes. Come and see what they do. Come and have a little look. And here's a pig, and here's the colourful clothes, and this lady is called Tame. And, and that's it. That, you sort of don't really get much more than that. Um, and certainly, like, the, um, the Chinese tourists, they come in in swarms. Like, some Saturday mornings, you sometimes see 2,000 tourists going through the village all with their selfie sticks and their iPhones and they just want to take as many photos as possible and see the cute kid who's got the funny hat on and I mean to a certain extent it's it's okay it brings in money to the village but it doesn't bring in really it doesn't bring in money to the actual people who are living there it brings in money to the Vietnamese tour guides mostly yeah it's um it's kind of it's a place full of full of wonder but also quite a lot of sadness I guess that's the case with a lot of touristy places the women just are amazing they're so strong I think that was what I really learned from doing the embroidery was the strength and the um motivation and the they're just they're devoted to their culture in a way that is so extraordinary and gives them so much strength and so much power and so much <laughs> you can see that they're really really strong despite not ever having had very much um, and that's I guess why their their culture has been so preserved in a way is because they haven't had access to money in the past they've they've really maintained their their the way that they get dressed in their traditional clothes is is um, because that was the clothes that they had. They had, um, they would, um, they would make their own clothes, and then suddenly people would catch on that the tourists would come to see them wearing their clothes. So it's almost become more important and more exaggerated. And I saw it as being just extraordinary that someone could make all of their own clothes. Um, we're so used to it's the opposite of fast fashion 
what I found from selling the vintage textiles was that there were these, that there were, the men's jackets were amazing to sell and people really wanted them, but there were hardly any in the market and there weren't any more coming into the market because they're, people just aren't making to the same standard and the same quantity that they used to. Um, and I said to Tammy, could we possibly, could we start making them like you used to make them? And she just thought it was a brilliant idea. I was like, yes, I know just the guy down the road who can start making, who, could, who knows exactly how to make the jackets. He's always made the jackets. His name's Chu. And his wife, Man May, she loves doing hand sewing. She'd love to be involved. And then we were thinking about the embroidery and we wanted them to be really sustainable. And we wanted the women to be able to keep mostly making the clothes for themselves and not to be um, working for us doing tiny embroidery because that would take forever and, and would, wouldn't work financially. Um, so we reclaim old embroideries from, um, from old clothes, from clothes that are a bit too damaged to be sold um, and pieces that would often be cut up and made into tiny purses that doesn't really, it doesn't have to say, it doesn't sort of give it the, the, the value and justice that it should have. Um, so we buy, Tame goes and buys pieces of embroidery from families who need help and she uh, and who need who want to be able to sell their textiles but they don't have access to be able to sell to the tourists and uh, we incorporate the embroideries with the jacket pattern to make new jackets as they used to make them about 60 years ago um, the cloth is the thing that's really exciting because um, we found people who uh, I said to Tame where can we where, where's the cotton coming from and she said, well, it's coming from China. I said, well, that's disappointing. We don't really want Chinese cotton. Is there anyone who grows, is there any cotton from Vietnam? Can we find some cotton in Vietnam? And she said, oh yes, the people three hours away on the motorbike that way, they, they grow cotton and we could buy some cotton from them. And I thought, well, that sounds much better. Let's go and get that. So we went on the motorbike to go to find the cotton and we bought an initial lot and took it to a lady called Yen, who lives down the road, and she dyes it with indigo. And there, um, so we've got various, in the end what's happened is we've, we're, we've kind of tied together different cultures to make one piece of clothing that is like they used to make it 60 years ago, so that we can help to um, maintain the different skills in different areas. With Tammy, when I went, when we did, we did a talk in Bristol, we did mm. a talk in London, she came to the UK and it was totally amazing because she hasn't ever had, she's never really, she's been to Hanoi. She has, actually, she has been to America, but to, <laughs> just to buy, um, to go and do a, an event in um, as, selling her vintage textiles. For me, actually, I think almost Tammy represents the complex world that we live in. It's like the ancient and this really modern and there's so many um, different elements of being able to have access to the whole world, to the internet, but not being able to, she couldn't get a visa to come to the UK. Uh, I had to make a document that was about 60 pages long to try and prove to her, to the UK passport, the UK visa office, that she would definitely go back to, um, back to Vietnam after she'd been here. 
So that she can't come over just as a tourist? No. I didn't realise that was... I thought everyone had the right to be a tourist in England for a, a certain amount of time. No, because they're worried that you might stay. Mm. So they want proof that you're going to go back. So they want to see what's in your bank account and they want to see that you've got enough money to come and stay here for the time that you're staying. And so I had to send bank statements. Tame never managed to print me off her bank statements because she doesn't really work in that way. I was like, Tame, have you got your bank statements? Nah, <laughs> I haven't got my bank I statements. I can't imagine, yeah. <laughs> She's uh, so I had to put put my bank statements, which looked terrible. So I had to get my parents' bank statements that looked a bit better, and then uh, kind of put together this uh, find witnesses almost who who know Tame and know how much she um, loves the place where she lives to prove that she would go back. And actually, it was. Um, the Bristol MP who I wrote to in the end because we had a, a, a visa application declined and we already had the events that we were going to do. So we were going to do a talk in London and a talk in Bristol and we were going to do, um, we were part of a pop-up shop uh, and the visa was declined. And so then we managed, I managed to get the, I wrote to the Bristol MP. It was my grandma's idea. Why don't you write, write to your MP? And, the, and they said, she wrote a letter I think maybe it was that that worked. Anyway, we got the visa and she came over and I um, went to Heathrow Airport to pick her up and there she was in all of her traditional clothes because she always wears all of her traditional clothes. It's like, I am Mien, this is who I am, this is what I do. She's very easy to find at the terminal then. Yeah, totally. She came out with her big suitcase and 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 a huge smile and so full of fun and joy. and then it was fascinating showing her the way that we live here because our life is just so different. I got out a chicken. I knew that she liked chicken. She eats a lot of chicken. There's chicken, rice and vegetables and some pork. That's that's generally Tame's diet. And so we, um, I, I thought for, for dinner when she first arrives, I'll cook chicken. And I got the chicken out of the um, freezer and put it on the metal kitchen work surface. And it was a chicken in a plastic bag and it was a really nice organic chicken but Tame was like what what your chicken is in a plastic bag and it's dead already and it makes a really horrible hard sound on the metal draining board and <laughs> and she was just so shocked by and then I, I started running the tap because I thought I would put the chicken in the sink in the plastic bag to make it defrost a bit quicker so that we could start to cook it because I'd forgotten to take it out and uh, by, by that point, Tamo was like looking in the garden, like, can't we just get a chicken and, and I'll show you how you do it. It's much easier. You just... <laughs> and she, she was really taken aback by that. Um, but otherwise, she took, she took it all totally in her stride. Yeah, being able to see, I guess, the place where all the tourists come from. It was really cool to be able to show her the, the good bits that we have, but also some of the more difficult things that we have. I guess life is... Um, is becomes a bit more complicated she she looked she found the um sandwich selection in marks and spencers in the service station really mind-blowing and had no <laughs> idea what like what, how do you choose when you've got so many different choices of sandwiches um but what was really wonderful was to um, be able to show tammy that the knowledge that she has and holds uh, the knowledge that's in the embroidery, but also in the way that they farm and the way that they um, live their lives, 
um, in such a sustainable and kind of hand to mouth way that um, that 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 they hold so much knowledge and so much wisdom that we've lost and for um for, for Tame to come and be asked a whole load of questions about about the fact that she grows all of her own food about the fact that she makes all of her own clothes about the fact that she connects with her ancestors and knows where they all are and how they um and how they lived and what they gave to their to to her family right now here it was just the most wonderful opportunity to go what you do is cool and i think that that's ultimately what i that's my mission with the, with what we do with the jackets is to show tame's village as young people in the west we respect what they do and who they are because we need some of that kind of feet on the earth kind of knowledge and and connection i guess to the earth and to our community You have two very young daughters. Uh, do you think it would be a nice thing for you to teach them the same skills and then maybe for them to meet Tame and show that you've passed on in a similar way that she would have done to her children? Yeah, I don't know how I'd start with that. You've got, um, the kids start when they're eight over there. Luna's six. I've got two years to kind of prepare to design how I'm going to teach, <laughs> how I'm going to teach her. I definitely want to take my daughters over to meet um, Tame and to meet her grandchildren. I've known Tame's kids since they were 10. And now, um, well, her oldest daughter since she was 10 and now she's 20. So it's been, it's been 10 years since we've first met. I think I didn't really ever anticipate what a can of worms I would open by starting to do a piece of embroidery. It it's, was representative of so many different, so many different things, so many different things within me, but also within Tame's culture and, and all the bits that get lost in between. And I guess patience and persistence and doing things right was what I really ultimately got out of it. That, that's what we try and bring into Tame and me. It's about making clothing that respects the earth, that is that comes from, um, that's produced organically, that doesn't put chemicals back into, into the system, I guess. Yeah, could you, could you tell me a bit about how Tame and me has been received since you started the company? Well, when I first brought over my first pieces, um, I took them to a textile event and it was a great place to launch it because textile people understand about all the stitches and the and the the techniques and and they were fascinated to know more and as i was telling them i i every time i told the story i couldn't i couldn't tell the story without crying because it all there was there was so much that went into every single element of 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 the jacket and i was trying to explain it and a bit like i'm trying to explain to you guys and i i couldn't quite get the words out i couldn't find how to explain it properly and um and and every time that happened i sold a jacket because they were just people were were amazed (laughs) they were convinced and they loved they loved the that there was so much depth and story within within each bit of the components of the jackets and they thought well that's that's great I'd, i'd like one of those please and um yeah, it's it's really it's really nice to sell something that's really authentic because I can I can tell people about it and and people go 
oh, I think I'd like to wear something like that, that that has got all of that meaning and all of that story in it. There's other people who don't really get it. They go, oh, well, they're quite nice blue jackets, and they're but they're a bit expensive <laughs> or yeah. something like that. But that's fine. It will take time. Uh, it's really nice to try and style them up in a way that um, that makes them easy to wear by all kinds of people. They are a really clever design that's zero waste. They've been designed to be as functional as possible. And I guess that that functionality is really appealing because it's really simple and it's really aesthetic. And it really, um, it's sort of, they mold to the shape of the body of the person who's wearing them. They kind of look great on anybody because it's the person that's wearing the garment, not the garment itself. It's surprising how many different kinds of people want to wear them. I've got, um, older ladies who are crazy about embroidery who love them i've got younger guys who really like wearing a french worker jacket <laughs> and this, this kind of say, is a bit I'm, of an alternative that category, yeah. <laughs> totally um, i like french worker jackets too they're good yeah. <laughs> um, it's really amazing to sort of strip back the fashion element of clothing i think that that's a really nice thing to do um, so they were definitely made to fit every situation, work, you know, home life and everything, weren't they? Yeah, people would wear them in the fields to work the rice. They would also wear them to um, a wedding. Uh, they would keep their best ones for the weddings. It's the same piece of clothing. Has the way Tame and Me works changed very much since you started? We started just with the embroidered jacket and then we developed the plain jacket. We've gone really slowly, I'd say, rather than, rather than we've slowly kind of added on things that work and um, we work within what we what we can what we can do um, where what we need to do really to make it really sustainable which is what I'm interested in because I want I want the jobs to be there for the next generation I want the kids to be able to take on the jobs if that's what they want to do that's what all of my team say that they want they want they, they want these jackets to keep on running and rolling so that they can get other people involved to work on them too um, and for that to happen we've got to make sure that there's enough money for everybody in in the project so I guess that's my role in its micro form that Tame and, is now, and me is now it works really nicely um, but there isn't very much money for me to pay myself so then I've got to go well does that make it sustainable if there isn't much money for me then am I going to be able to maintain doing what I do um, and the answer, I mean, I'd love to do it for free and I sort of want to, and I've got the motivation to, but that's not a very, uh, I, I need to merit myself more than that, I think, yeah. and I do need to pay myself. So that means trying to, uh, just grow it so that we've got other products that run alongside. And that's really exciting because it's starting to feel like it's possible. Um, I've got the potential to work with someone else and we're hoping to start to work with some other villages and start to tie together other people's textile skills with other wonderful um, design work that comes from the mountain traditional cultures. Which item would you like to be completely banned from fashion? Oh. Uh, stiletto I, shoes, maybe? Really? I was going to say, I can imagine it being something that has no 
day-to-day function and I think that's a pretty good example of that yeah yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, yeah. D- I'm too feminist for yeah. stiletto shoes <laughs> <laughs> I'm not into them <laughs> no but that so. does that make me boring I quite like the idea of it being of things being silly but mm. I don't I just don't know whether um uh, I think we should find the humor inside ourselves and not have to keep making more tat to put into the world (laughs) (laughs) yeah I think we're sort of starting to realize that resources are precious and that we need to look after them where would people go to buy a Tamayami jacket um online uh, on our website which is tamayami.com you can also find out more about my ramblings on um instagram (laughs) what's your instagram handle um, at Tamayami uh, at Tamayami alright um, yeah thanks a lot for talking to me today nice to meet you Alex okay. great yes. yeah